This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Ready or Not is brought to you by Pure Mama, the leading pregnancy skincare brand in Australia and New Zealand. Loved and trusted by over 40,000 women for pregnancy, postpartum and beyond. My children can't feel every single cup that I have. I realise now that it was actually something that really helped my mental health. If I put every single person ahead of myself, then I will not be able to show up for those people. My entire lens was shifted the second time around. My husband came up to me and he gave me a hug and he said, "I, I know how much you do. What is making me cranky, what is making me tired, what is making me sad, what is making me cry... In business and in motherhood, Eleanor Pendleton is a wise, intuitive woman. Nearly 10 years ago, she launched Australia's premier beauty website and digital magazine, Gritty Pretty. And just a week after launch, the magazine's first issue received over 135,000 views. Alongside her evolving publishing business, Eleanor has been growing her own family too. The mother of two has had some really contrasting experiences when it comes to pregnancy, motherhood and making work work. And here she shares it all. From the pressures of being the boss and returning to paid work earlier than anticipated during the unpredictability of COVID, to learning how to identify what she needs as a mother and what fulfills her as a person, I took a lot away from this chat and I think you will too. I'm Lucinda. This is Ready or Not, and here is the clever and candid Eleanor Pendleton. Eleanor, you spent seven years working in magazines before launching Gritty Pretty. How long did you jostle with the idea of launching a magazine in a landscape that I guess felt a little bit unpredictable for magazines and still does? I know you're online, but it's still a big leap to take. Tell us about that. I think when you are 25, young, maybe a little bit naive, you also have a lot less responsibility. And I think I kind of went into it with that disposition. I certainly didn't leave print magazines or leave my role, which was beauty editor at InStyle magazine to pursue a career in digital. It was never my actual intention to launch a digital magazine either, I had really left because I just didn't feel challenged anymore as a beauty writer and I wanted to freelance. So I toyed with that idea of leaving a very secure salary, you know, having the benefits of annual leave and and all that comes with, you know, a secure job. And I toyed with that idea for about six months. I think I went through a huge period of imposter syndrome and also just tried to reconcile the idea of leaving a secure job for an insecure job of being a freelance writer and not knowing when your next paycheck would come in. But I couldn't shake this feeling that I needed to do it for myself. I needed to expand my skill set. I wanted to get my byline published in different titles, different magazines, newspapers, Um, websites around the world. And so I left my job 
to do that. At the same time, Gritty Pretty had been sitting dormant uh, for those three, four years that I was at InStyle and um, I just decided to start writing again. I, I kind of did it because I wanted to get that spark again. I wanted to write with my own type of personality and tone um, that was very different to the InStyle magazine tone. And so I I relaunched it when I left and I think within about four months I started to see revenue come through the site and that was really when I thought, okay, there's something here. This 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 brand that I've built has some legs and I think it could become a business that I could run. But at that point, it didn't have a digital magazine. And so I think I really just kind of took a step back. I looked at what was available on the internet and there wasn't a lot of beauty platforms at that time. And I remember I was actually on a press for mill at Kangaroo Valley with the founder of Sadashi, Megan Larson. If you've ever met Megan, she is the most inspiring businesswoman. And I think it was maybe a bit of her, a bit of that fresh country air. And the idea to create a digital magazine that was free for women to access all around the world and you could get it in the palm of your hand in any device, whether it was your phone, your tablet, computer, it didn't exist. And, you know, that was a time where you would only kind of, you know, if you wanted to read a beautiful luxury magazine, you'd pick up Harper's or, or Elle or Vogue, but you couldn't actually read it online. This is a time when to read magazines online, they were PDF'd. And so you would literally just swipe and you couldn't shop anything. You couldn't click anything. Nothing was interactive. Nothing moved. And so it was on that day sitting in the countryside in Kangaroo Valley that it hit me like a ton of bricks that I needed to make this digital magazine. And I literally scribbled some notes on some paper. And the next day I went home and I started putting a plan into action to create what is now Gritty Pretty Magazine. And how did that plan come together? It sounds simple when you put it like that, but obviously there is so much creativity and logistical work that needs to go into that. How did it all come together? Look, I would love to say that, the, you know, there was a full business plan fleshed out and I had everything, you know, kind of planned to, to detail in that way, but it was as simple as I just was kind of flying by the wind and I called up my best girlfriend who was a graphic designer and she worked at a couple of fashion labels, Australian labels. And I said, Hey, I want to make this online magazine. You're a graphic designer, you know, in design by heart. Do you want to help me make it? And I, I had dabbled with a bit of InDesign. I, it was a skill I had learned whilst I was working at Pacific Magazines. And so I knew my way around page layouts. But I was as simple as I just called her up and said, look, this is what I want to do. Let's make it. And then after she agreed, which I was so thrilled, and it was such a joy to work on that project with her, it was really about tapping into the contacts that I had developed over, you know, the last decade. So you know, I called up all of my favorite photographers. I said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I've got no money to do it. It's going to look amazing. And I think I really, I think one of my best skill sets is that I know how to assemble a team based on their strengths. And I know if, depending on what the vision is, I know exactly which photographer is best suited, which hair and makeup artist would be best suited, which talent would be best suited. Um, and so I kind of almost just would orchestrate these teams and everyone was so 
beautiful and willing and excited to contribute that they, you know, pretty much gave their time to get this first issue off the ground. And the first issue we would probably go through maybe like six to eight iterations of a page layout because there was no master template. We had no idea what the pages were going to look like. But I think I kind of took that and what I had learnt in my time in publishing and, and how to paginate and how, you know, you kind of have your lighter pages up the front and maybe your media chunkier stories in the middle and you finish with some lovely lifestyle pages. I learned that on the job. And so I think I really just took all of the skills that I had from my publishing career and applied it to this startup, Digital Mag. And a week after the first edition launches, I think you received over 135,000 views. How do you think you did that when you look back? Um, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Um, certainly then, like there wasn't really a lot of digital marketing or Facebook marketing or anything like that. And I certainly didn't have the budget for it. But I think what I had created in Gritty Pretty the first time, so whilst I was still working as a beauty editor at Famous Magazine, was this sense of community and this idea that you would come to the website that was curated, edited, researched and written by beauty journalists and we would just remove all the fluff for you. You know, I think when you go into any indie store, you just get instantly overwhelmed by what is on the shelf. And when you're making a decision about what you are going to spend your hard-earned money on, you want to know if it's going to deliver on what it says. And there is a lot of marketing, you know, that comes with each product and brand. But I guess we always took the approach of we can dissect that. We can interview the scientists. We can meet, you know, the people that actually made these products and get to understand the science behind it or the formulation behind it. And so I think that that idea of what we were trying to create fostered this level of trust with our audience. And so when I put the site on hold and it went dormant, I think they kind of just stayed. And so when I relaunched, they they flooded back. All of our readers flooded back. And it was just so reassuring for me because I just always think whenever you are creating anything in this world, there are always going to be like-minded people. And there were women out there just like me who were interested in beauty, just wanted to know if something worked or not. And they just wanted beauty without all of the BS. Um, and so it was really, I think, our readership was was created and fostered purely organically and authentically. Um, and that's something I'm very proud of. Talk about a vote of confidence to keep going too. I'm sure that yes, definitely yes. propelled you forward. So then eventually the idea of motherhood starts to enter your mind. Firstly, did this influence any of your career or business decisions to start to go out on your own? And secondly, how did you feel about the idea of motherhood when it came to career and how it would all work? Working as a, as a beauty editor in some of the magazines that I had worked at, in the beauty department, there would sometimes be two people, a beauty editor and a beauty director. And more often than not, that beauty director was obviously a lot more senior. They had a lot more experience and they were mums. Um, and so I had this front row seat to what these women had to achieve. And most of them worked part-time. Most of them were three, four days a week. And I would see what they would do in a day. 
And I would see that they had to drop their children off and they had to go pick them up after school. And I think for me, there was no judgment that I never extended any judgment. I just observed it and I observed the pressure that they were put under. I didn't agree with the pressure. You know, I think the women, we women and particularly mothers have to carry a lot more, particularly when we are paid working mothers. But I think I, I just observed what they would go through. When I um, launched Gritty Pretty, however, I was only 25. And so having children wasn't on my radar yet. My husband and I got married, I should remember this, in 2018. <laughs> Good one. Um, in 2018, we've been together for almost 15 years now. That's why I forget. Fair enough too. Yeah, I think it wasn't until we got married that I thought, okay, you know, I've I've achieved a lot in my career and traveling the world was a huge priority for me. I was on a plane pretty much every month. But I think once we got married, that's when we really decided, okay, I think we're ready to start a family. Um, but in owning my own business, I was able in some ways to mold what that would look like. But then COVID happened, so that all got turned on its head. Oh, COVID. I didn't even think of that curveball. Sometimes I forget about it now. Did you feel like you needed to get your business to a certain point before you could start trying to conceive? Yes, I did. It didn't end up going that way. I, I think I had a resignation of, of quite a key person in my team a month before I was due to give birth. Oh. And then my son was born in January of 2020 and he was six or seven weeks old when, when we went into lockdown. And so whilst I had planned to take about four to five months off and get, and I had gotten my team into a place where they could, you know, um, keep the wheels turning, so to speak, without me actually being there. Once COVID hit, it threw everything. We had every single one of our clients and our advertisers put all of their spend on hold you know, this was a time where we didn't even know what COVID was and, you know, we were kind of being fed those hourly updates and the world panicked. And so in an instant, we had pretty much 90% of our revenue just switched off and I had no choice but to go back to work. So my son was, like I said, six or seven weeks old. I was dealing with immense breastfeeding issues I was riddled with mastitis and diagnosed later diagnosed with hyperlactation. And I was developing business continuance plans and working out how I could retain all of my staff and not have to let them go, not have to cut their pay. Um, and I'm very proud that I didn't have to do that. But to switch from that headspace of being so deep in first-time newborn motherhood into how do I keep my business afloat in the midst of what we now know was the pandemic, was by far the hardest challenge I've ever faced. Oh, the immensity of new motherhood coupled with that, I cannot quite imagine. It actually makes my chest feel a little bit stiff. Mm. What did you plan maternity leave to look like? I had planned about four to five months um, that I could just be with my baby. Um, and I think what's interesting with hindsight and reflecting back on that period is that I now look at it as a real blessing that I had to go back to work a little bit earlier. Anyone who runs their own business knows there's no such thing as annual leave and maternity leave. You know, when you run a business, your your mind does not switch off because 
the buck starts and stops with you. But what I wasn't prepared for was the shift in identity that took place after I had my son. My husband, he was fortunate enough to get quite a decent amount of paternity leave. So we had kind of um, planned for him to be off for the first six weeks. Then he would go back to work and I would stay stay at home with the baby um, for a few more months before working remotely. And it ended up being a real blessing in some ways because one, we were in lockdown, so we were home anyway, couldn't go anywhere. And anyone who knows newborns are very sleepy, so they sleep a lot. And I was able to do what I needed to do whilst he slept. But also I realized how much I enjoy my work, how much I enjoy my team. And because I was essentially forced back because of the pandemic, it allowed me to flex this part of my brain that makes me feel good. And I, when my son was born, I, I was pretty much paralyzed with this fear of, will I ever be able to go back to work again? Can I do the two things? Have I lost that part of who I am? And I think we were all kind of made up of different facets. And for me, my, my, my work, my creativity, how I flex my mind commercially, they, they make me happy. And that fills up a cup that my children cannot. And I'm ne never afraid to say that because my children can't feel every single cup that I have. Um, you know, my friends feel another, my husband feels another, and my work feels one. And so when I went back to work, I realized now that it was actually something that really helped my mental health. And so I'm very grateful for that. And so as you touched on, sometimes newborns can be easy in some ways, really challenging in others, but sleep a lot. They don't crawl. You're not worried about cords and <laughs> stairs and all of those things. When your son started to grow, how did making work work change for you and how did it look? Yeah, it got. It, that's when it got harder, when he was certainly on the move. We didn't have family or grandparents who could help us. Unfortunately, they didn't live anywhere near us. My family lives interstate and my husband's family lived a couple of hours away. So we had to really think about what our support network would look like, um, you know, whilst I was working, he was working, and then our little boy was getting busier and busier. And so we found a beautiful nanny who would come to our home um, and she would basically help me and my husband with our son. Both of my children have never taken a bottle. Oh, I know that pain. <laughs> so the reality of, of exclusively breastfeeding adds a different layer to that and what that actually looks like logistically. You know, I've, I've never been prepared to stop breastfeeding prematurely for any reason. And so she would come to the home, she'd help me with my son, I'd be able to breastfeed him on demand whenever he wanted and she would take him you know, out for a walk in the pram and bring him back. And we did that for quite a few months. And then when my son was almost one, we were lucky enough to get a spot in a fa local family daycare. Um, and my girlfriend, who some people might know on Instagram, she's Gemma Peanut on Instagram, she... Uh, had had found this family daycare because her older daughter had gone there and our boys were only a couple of days apart in age and so we were lucky that we were able to get both of our boys in at the same time they love each other 
And so my son started family daycare, I think it was maybe two days a week. And then it went up to three days before he eventually moved into a, a slightly larger, but not too large childcare center. And he absolutely loves it. I think when I look, when I reflect back on that first day, I remember dropping him off and I was a mess. I remember getting back in the car and sobbing hysterically and it, it was extremely difficult and it's so heavy on the heart and it feels unnatural to in inverted commas leave your baby but what I have come to realize in the almost four years of being a mother is that what my children gain from different people from different settings from educators from teachers and also just from friends to watch my son develop friendships at daycare is something that I also couldn't give him. And he's just the most well-rounded, happy, cheeky little thing. And so that's how we had to navigate it. We unfortunately didn't have, you know, that beautiful luxury of family support or a mum that I could call up and say, hey, can you come over and, you know, watch him for an hour or something? And, and I think if anyone has that, just cherish it. Um, but that was that was our version of what new parenthood looked like. I'm so glad you touched on that with the start of daycare too, because I think for a lot of mothers and primary caregivers, you think of it as that you're just doing it for yourself. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, they're learning different things from different people. And this is actually quite amazing from the, for them. And I'm not just a selfish person for wanting to do something outside of mothering. So I'm really glad you touched on that. Eventually the idea, or maybe not the idea, you can tell me, of having another child came to be. Was that a strategic thing? Did you want to sort of show up for the business for a while before you thought about that second child or was it less planned than that? Mm, it was less planned than that. I Having another baby was not on my radar <laughs> for a good couple of years. Um, I just wanted to soak my son in and I didn't start to even get an inkling about wanting to try for another baby until my son was about two years old. But in that time, I, I I ended up breastfeeding my son until he was 21 months. And I really just wanted to enjoy my body autonomy again. It was actually less about work and, and what the business looked like. It was about how can I enjoy being me and, and having me to myself again. So I really enjoyed that for probably, I think, a good six months or so. And, and also in the background, you know, I was also kind of developing a more senior team and changing different lines of reports within my business so that I didn't have, say, for example, 10 people reporting solely into me. It would become, you know, department heads and managers that would. And that number became fewer and fewer. And I think what that's allowed me to do, particularly today, now that I've got two children, is work on my business and not in my business. And I've done the working in the business. I've done the 3 a.m. staying up at night to get it done nights for, for years. You know, that this has getting to this place has taken 10 years, or nine years, sorry, because the magazine's 10 years next year. So uh, there was definitely a lot of that planning, but it was actually more just about how can I just feel good within myself before thinking about expanding my family. Uh, I'm quite jealous of that approach thinking about it now because I'm the opposite and I'm like 
I literally stopped breastfeeding and then I was pregnant again. And it came as a surprise because my son wasn't conceived overnight. Didn't take us ages, but it certainly wasn't like, let's get pregnant, cool, tomorrow we'll be pregnant. Mm. And the idea of getting that body autonomy back is something I'm really looking forward to. So I can totally empathise with that. And it will come. You know it will come. (laughs) And, you know, there's no season that is forever. But, um, yeah, I I do understand why you feel that way. Yeah. And so COVID obviously changed a lot of, I guess, perhaps how you planned for your second baby in terms of learning what work would look like with motherhood. That wasn't a normal experience, a normal mat leave experience, a normal return to work experience. But what did hindsight teach you now that you were a mother of how you wanted to approach your next mat leave? Mm, It changed everything. Another amazing female startup doing great things, Pure Mama supports women on their journey to motherhood with nourishing body care that they can trust. Powered by pure and naturally derived ingredients that work alongside your body's changes and provide nurture and comfort to those areas that deserve some extra love. I purchased a bottle of their liquid gold belly oil, which is sold out three times over, and I can assure you it's as good as it sounds. Not only has it helped me with my increasingly itchy belly, It's also become a ritual at the end of the day to make my tired and sore body feel good in late pregnancy. And what's even better is that all products are midwife tested, approved and recommended. Shop the full Pure Mama range, including their signature belly oil, scrubs, nipple butter and gift sets at puremama, that's M-A-M-A dot com or online from Mecca Beauty. I think my first experience taught me to prioritise myself and that is, you know, I think there's a saying that self-care is not selfish and I think that that's never sat truer with me than it does today. I now know that if I burn myself out, if I put every single person ahead of myself, then I will not be able to show up for those people. I will not be able to show up for me. And I won't be able to do a good job of looking after those that I need to. When I do prioritize myself, when I'm able to find those very small, sometimes rare windows that are just for me and going to Woolworths is is not self-care, <laughs> then I can show up and I can be a very present mother. And so second time around, I plan my postpartum period down to a T to be honest. I sort of went in first time round really nonchalant and I didn't read any books and, you know, I didn't do anything really. I did a calm birth class, but I just really went in and and I was like, it's just going to be how it's going to be. Second time round, there was a lot more preparation, both preparing for what my daughter's birth would look like, but more so thinking about what it would look like when I brought her or the baby home. And so I invested in a doula. I had a birth doula and a postpartum doula. And I also invested in one month's worth of postpartum Ayurvedic meals. I knew that being a mom and having kids, I wouldn't want to be cooking, you know, four days after giving birth. And so I saved my money and I invested in that. And it was the greatest gift to myself because... 
my husband was able to literally take these beautifully made fresh meals that were delivered every week and just heat them up for me and I could eat. And as everyone knows, if you, you know, if you, um, your milk comes in, you could become ravenous. Um, and so that was the greatest line of support. But I also, with my doula, just planned what I wanted it to look like, who I wanted to be in my special space, who I didn't want to be in my special space in those early days. And what was interesting is that second time around, I wanted less people. I didn't want visitors. I just wanted to stay in my bubble for as long as I could with my two babies. And it was just, it was 40 days of, of absolute bliss. But I, I worked really hard to create that and to protect that and to bring people into my home who would protect that for me. And as someone that's about to go from one to two, what do you recall most in those really early days of becoming a family of four? Oh, I don't, I think one thing that I was never prepared for was how much I would fall in love with my children's love that they have for each other. I think when you have one, you just love this tiny human so much. You can't, you, even when you're pregnant, you can't imagine loving another child as much as your firstborn. And you just don't have as much time to think about this uh, next baby. That's true. Like you, it's bad. I feel bad how little I've thought of this baby in my tummy. Yeah, I felt the same. And it's not that you feel disconnected. It's just that you, you're so busy looking after one small human. It's hard to find those moments to connect back in. Yeah. But I think, yeah, watching my son fall in love with his sister was was and is everything. It, it is the greatest source of joy in my life. And I think what else? Just leaning in, to, I, I feel like my entire lens was shifted the second time around because I knew second time that nothing would last forever, that the newborn days were day, were quite literally days, that the cluster feeding would last for a few days, that the sleepless nights would be for a short amount of time in the scheme of things and that everything would come to an end. And so I think I went into my second postpartum relishing her so much because I don't know if she is going to be my last child and I just savoured it and I, I didn't wish it away. Um, even when it was hard, I didn't wish it away. And what about the emotions to do with what you were just saying? So I think this baby will probably be my last, but if I'm honest, I'm not even really letting myself think that because I'm worried that it will make me too upset when I'm holding this baby because the emotions of motherhood really got me with my son. Like they just yeah. totally floored me. I didn't Crack see that coming. Yeah, yeah, like I knew I'd find joy. I didn't know the sadness that would sit alongside that joy. Mm -hmm. How one. did you feel emotionally in that in those early days? Baby too. I mean, so, certainly before my daughter Rumi was born, I definitely went through those moments of what people would describe as grief. You know, they were the last days of where it was just me, my husband and my son, and we were just a trio. You know, he was my baby. And and I remember, I remember actually when I went into labor, I didn't believe that I was in labor and it was all very, very fast. But the only time I realized I was in labor was when I had to say goodbye to my son and when when his uncle came and picked him up and took him over for a sleepover. When I heard those words like, okay, Banjo, it's time to, to time to go now, I sobbed. Oh, I can imagine that. It's something that I only thought of for the first time yeah. the other day, that I'll have to leave the home one night. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. time I see my son, it'll be with mm -hmm. the new baby. Yeah. 
And and so I think there's a real, there's definitely an emotional process there and, and I just lent into it. I didn't block any of it off. I just, I like to lean into things and I felt what I needed to feel. I soaked up every day of those last days with him and we pretty much spent every day at the beach and just, it was just those, you know, almost three years of just enjoying my son were heaven. But then when she arrived, it was just, yeah, everyone says your heart just grows. And I think now I truly understand what people mean when they say that. Those early days were just nothing but bliss. They really were. And and again, I don't want to kind of paint this romantic picture that it was all easy sailing because it wasn't. Um, we had, you know, in our in our family, we, we went through loss in that period and there was a lot that happened for us. But I think, I, like I said, it was just like my lens was different. As hard as some of those nights were when I was... My eyes burned because I'd been up all night feeding this this cluster feeding baby. I knew that it it wasn't going to last forever, and so I was okay, and she was okay. And you wrote a really beautiful Instagram post about your different experiences with and feelings towards maternity leave and returning to work this time around. Can you share some of those reflections with us? Yeah. So with Rumi, I had planned five months off which again, for anyone who runs a business, it was five months properly off, no emails, not checking in. I was drip fed some information when I needed to be. And I, I think I have to give full credit to Gritty Pretty's editor, Danielle Gay, for this because she she really protected the space I was in. She knew I missed out first time and that I really wanted this time with my baby. And so, yeah, I was able to really have that. But when I was ready to go back to work or had planned to go back to work after five months, I couldn't do it. I just didn't feel ready. I just, I wasn't, even though for me, returning back to work is working remotely um, from home, from my home office. It's more about that mental shift in, in going from mothering to thinking about anything else. Um, and I wasn't ready. I wanted to soak her in just a little bit longer. And so I extended by another month or so. And then when I went back, I really staged my return. Um, and this is something that my team was informed of. And again, they really respected, uh, for me. And so I returned, um, for the first two weeks, I, I only held very light meetings with senior management. I didn't connect with everyone in the team. It just would have been too much for me to do in two days. And so I just came back gently. And then I've been back now for about four months and um, three, four months. And I'm feeling really good now. I feel inspired. I feel revitalized. I feel refreshed. And I feel really good about working again. It was really about easing myself in. I Even to the point I made sure I ordered some food deliveries for the week I returned to work just to alleviate that pressure so that, you know, at the end of the day and when I have to go and pick my son up from daycare, I'm not madly rushing to scramble some dinner together. So I really thought about it. And that anticipation I can often find in motherhood and returning to work, it sometimes feel worse than when it actually plays out. With hindsight, have you felt that way about shifts in motherhood and shifts in working? I, I think we're always kind of presented 
with anything in life, it'll ebb and flow, right? So sometimes work may be may be chaotic. Sometimes family life is chaotic. Sometimes your social calendar is chaotic. And so I think I just try to approach everything as it comes. You know, I, I can plan as best I can for things like, for example, you know, a maternity leave or when there's an actual like looming date. But I think in terms of the shifts I've experienced, I just lean into them whenever they they come. And you're a business owner and a mother of two. What have been the best parts and the more challenging parts of making work work now that you're in this phase of parenting? Well, right now, um, I would say it's certainly the logistics. My daughter is the most placid, calm little baby and... I think a lot of that is inherently her. I think she's um, inherited a lot of her her father's temperament. And I also think she's inherited a lot of my energy because my energy second time around has been very different. So she can, she she's like my best friend. She comes along with me everywhere. She comes with me to meetings with clients. She comes with me to shoots. But as I mentioned before, because I am breastfeeding her and I breastfeed on demand, it does pose a bit of a challenge you know I can't just leave her with my husband for example in a bottle and go to work so it just requires a different level of planning Um, for me that means using a beautiful babysitter that we have um, and leaning on her support so say for example if I've got to be in the city and we've got a big production shoot or something then I will have to book the sitter to come with me to bring Rumi that I can feed her on set when she needs to be fed and she can look after her in between. And that's that's doable for now. Um, I don't know how, how long I'll, I'll breastfeed her for, so I'm not going to put pressure on myself to end that anytime soon. But it just presents a different challenge. It means that there's a lot more planning. It means it's expensive as well. I feel like I need to call that out. It's, it's not cheap to, you know, have a babysitter or a nanny help you with your child. But it's an investment I'm willing to make because I love my work and I I want to work and I really enjoy working on those days that I do. And what are you most proud of as a business owner and a mother? Uh, That's a very good question. I think I'm most, when it comes to work and my business, I think I'm most proud of the team that I have brought together. They are the most incredible group of women who just support one another and champion one another. They are so incredibly talented and hardworking and dedicated. And without their dedication, I wouldn't also get to do what I love. But when I see the friendships that they form, you know, when I can't, when I'm ever hiring someone new and I see that like I've had my my staff say this to me that they've met their lifelong friends at Gritty Pretty. So nice. And so to know that is very special. I've met some of my lifelong friends when I was working um, at Cosmo magazine. And I love that these girls are getting that same experience at my business. And then in terms of motherhood, I mean, gosh, I think just raising these amazing little humans and unlearning so much and learning so much and just riding the different seasons of whatever motherhood looks like with my husband who is an equal co-parent to me he doesn't have boobs but 
if he did, I'm sure he would breastfeed. <laughs> but navigating all of that with him as well, like when we just every day we just look at each other and we look at these kids and and when they are just cuddling each other and telling and my son's telling um, my baby how much he loves him, like we just know that we're doing something right. And what do you think has helped in your parenting journey? Is there anything in particular that has set you and your partner up well? Yes, it's called communication. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the number one thing. And we definitely have had our moments. Please don't get me wrong. Every every couple knows that when you become parents, you are tired, you lose your patience. And the first person you usually use that patience with is your partner. Um, and we certainly have those moments, but I think, I don't know, second time it's the, everything has shifted. Like I said, we just, I feel like we've just eased into it so well and we've had three years of kind of learning some ropes and every child is very, very different. Our two are incredibly different, but I just love that I get to do it all with him. And I think sometimes we forget to remind the other person of that and, you know, we get we get caught up in the Groundhog Day and it feels like it's dinner, bath and bed routine just a second ago and here I am doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll just try to remind each other. Like yesterday my, my husband came up to me and he gave me a hug and he said, I, I know how much you do for our kids. It's hard for me not to get emotional about that because it's just so nice to be reminded yeah. of that. And I try to do the same with him and remind him how much an, an amazing father he really is. He is so present in my children's life. Um, he shows up for them like like any modern father should. But I think it's just, it comes down to communication. It comes down to talking. And, and I think sometimes when we're all tired, we don't talk, we just snap. And so if we can remember to talk, that usually steers us well. I've definitely learned that from experience. It's when I've bottled things up and haven't said how I'm feeling that I then absolutely crack it. And I've also been trying to do the same as your partner, reminding my husband how much mm. he's doing for us. So I think that's really nice advice because you can very quickly get on the resentment cycle. And unfortunately, if everyone's doing their best, it doesn't do much for anyone. Yeah. I mean, look, in saying that, I need to remind my husband to pick up those towels off the floor. But <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we are doing a good job. I'm really enjoying parenting with him. Entering paid work or navigating paid work alongside parenting can be really overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's exacerbated when you're a business owner. For yeah. anyone, <laughs> just a little bit, for anyone out there that is either about to navigate on that journey or is having a particularly hard day where they're just like, this is too much. What advice would you give them? I think you're allowed to have hard days. I think this idea that we have to paint this picture perfect. Every day is shiny and glossy and, you know, we're gentle parenting from <laughs> 9am to 9pm every night. Like, no, that doesn't happen. We are all human. And I think we are all allowed to have hard days. I even just at the end of last week had said to my husband, I feel really touched out. I haven't moved my body in a couple of weeks. I haven't had time to even get to my local Pilates studio. If I can get there once a week, maybe once a fortnight, that is an achievement for me. Um, and I hadn't been able to do that. And I had expressed to him that I'm feeling touched out. I was snappy. I was didn't have a lot of patience. 
I just want to be left alone for five minutes. And I think I'm allowed to feel that way. Yeah. I think we all are. So I think when you go through those periods, like lean into what you're feeling, but then try to get to the root of what it is. It's more about like the mental bandwidth, I think for me, and particularly I would say for mothers, because naturally we are, we tend to think about the other things like, you know, that child's birthday present and I've got to organize those Christmas presents and I've got to do that, do the online groceries and blah, 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 blah. And so it's more about the mental load. And if I think when I get overwhelmed, if I can try to get to the root of what is actually putting me on edge, what is making me cranky, what is making me tired, what is making me sad, what is making me cry, if I can get to the root of it and then talk to my partner about it, then I will be able to slowly make some changes in my lifestyle and I can get back to somewhat of that more balanced place. But again, I just think it's normal to to have those days. That's really great advice to end with. Eleanor, for anyone that wants to find your work online, where should they go? Um, so you can find Gritty Pretty at grittypretty.com.au. We've got our incredible beauty website there, our digital magazine. You can access our podcast, our salon directory. Everything you need is over there on the website. Um, and you can also find us on Instagram, which is at gritty underscore pretty. And if you want to follow me personally, you can find me at, at Eleanor Pendleton. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your advice. Thank you, Lucinda. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.